you can script data loader, but you can only do that on Windows. That is the ultimate like oxymoronic thing I've ever heard. A command line tool that only runs on Windows. <laughs> that just yep. doesn't. You could restore it all. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And I have with me just, you know, digitally, at least anyway, uh, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? I'm good, Curtis. How are you doing? It's been a while. Well, yeah, it's been, you know, at least... 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) At least 24 hours. Uh, you know, is everything everything chilling over where you're? Uh, Things are good. Things are good. I, I do have to say, I did see the picture you sent me about your office. And how pictures oh. can be misleading or <laughs> yeah, deceiving. So, yeah, I, um, I, it was a video recording that I did for actually for the UK and Europe uh, yesterday morning, and it, I showed, I sent Persona a picture of, you know, here's what the camera saw, and here's what the rest of the room looked like. And let's just say the rest of the room had a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> It had a lot that, yeah, what, what was off to the left persona was my beer making enterprise. So that's ah. what was all those, all those supply and also other garbage. <laughs> um, but uh, so we have a new guest today. Uh, always excited to have a new guest on the podcast. We've been wanting to have someone that understands uh, Salesforce uh, on our podcast. And we've been reaching out and finally, uh, we have someone, our guest is a, a seven-time certified Salesforce consultant, developer, and admin with more than 15 years experience in the CRM application industry. He's been working with Salesforce now for seven years, and he's currently a freelance Salesforce cons- consultant for clients in the U.S. and the Czech Republic. In his spare time, he also helps bring CRM to nonprofits by volunteering for a nonprofit specifically designed to do that. I think that's fascinating. Welcome to the podcast, Anton Kam. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, it, Tony. It's uh, good to meet you. So, Tony, you you live in uh, the Czech Republic, but you you are but you moved there a few years ago from the U.S., right? Correct. Yeah, I I moved to Prague in two thousand eight for mm-hmm. a job at the time, mm-hmm. um, and actually, I still work for for that company. Uh, now on a part-time basis, but I worked there for 10 years before I went freelance. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been a good, good time. Uh, I, originally I was working on Siebel for that company and they migrated from Siebel to Salesforce in 2013. So that's where I got my start as a Salesforce consultant. Nice. And uh, Czech Republic is a beautiful country. Uh, I have been I've been over the countryside. I've been to Prague, which I I think should be renamed to Bridge City. Because um, <laughs> it's, it's basically, I, I, do you know how many bridges they have? I mean, if I just count off the top of my head, it's six or seven. But I mean, they're beautiful, giant bridges going over these uh, these these giant uh, rivers. And then also I did something which apparently you have not done. And that is a hundred kilometers outside of Prague is a town called Carlo Vivari. That is a beautiful Bavarian village sort of nestled in, in sort of a valley inside these, 
mountains and there's this I would call it a brook. It, it, it's, it doesn't qualify as a river. At least when I was there, it's maybe 15 or 20 feet wide. And when I was there, there was only maybe like six or eight inches of water in it, but there was, there was still fish. And then there's buildings all along the, the streets. It has 12 hot springs. Can't believe it. You know, in our pre-call, you said that you, you hadn't yet been there. I can't believe that you live. I don't know. It, it sounds like less than less than a hundred kilometers. It's an hour drive, maybe. But to be honest, though, Curtis, that happens a lot where you never, ever happen to do the things that are near you, right? That other people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you've never done that. And it's like yeah. you've lived there for like 30 years and you've never gone and yeah. seen Block. Let's stop talking about Czech Republic <laughs> and start talking about Salesforce. You are aware, I'm assuming, of this change that Salesforce is making at the end of the month where they are disabled or they're no longer offering what they used to call their recovery service. Yep. Have you ever talked to anyone who ever used that service? No, I've yeah, never come either. across any client, any project or any company that has ever used this, this feature. And I know from previous conversation, Curtis, you've mentioned that it is sort of a non-guaranteed, we'll try yeah, our best effort and it's very expensive. It's literally the worst product ever ever offered by a company it was ten thousand dollars it took six to eight weeks at the end of six to eight weeks you got it you know you got a a csv for every salesforce object you know recovery wasn't guaranteed you had to then then you had to re-upload all the data to salesforce one at a time using like the data loader or something in the right yeah, order in the right <laughs> order that is really important and why is that important uh tony well, okay, so let's say you're trying to upload a list of contacts and those contact records in that file maybe refer to another object record for the account, let's say. So accounts and contacts are stored in kind of like different objects or tables, if you want to talk mm -hmm. about it right. that way. Um, so if the contact record that you're uploading refers to an account that doesn't yet exist, then that upload will fail. Yeah, so you have to load accounts first, and then you have to load contacts. And any uh, any record that you're loading, if it refers to another record in the database, you need to upload those records first. So there could be a chain of objects referring to each other that you would have to load in that correct order in order for that referential integrity to be yeah. maintained. By the way, I'm glad you brought up the term object. So in Salesforce parlance, <clears throat> object essentially means table. Uh, right, yep. like a ta table in any other database is a Salesforce object. That, that's we don't important say because tables in Salesforce because they don't yeah. actually give you access at the database level. So is that it's, what it is? it's obfuscated, basically. So they don't like using the word table and, <laughs> and column because they don't actually give you database level access to Salesforce tables. Yeah, so inside the table you have, what, what do they call it? I forgot. Uh, inside the object, uh, I'm sorry, inside the object. Yeah, it's objects, and then you have fields. Fields, um, right, Which right, can be right. either standard, out-of-the-box fields that Salesforce provides as part of the schema, or what they call custom fields, which are fields that you create. Did you have any client, do you remember this um, this outage that Salesforce had several months ago? I think where, it was last year. Was it? Yeah, it was last year when there was some script, and it, it went and changed the permissions on the account so that suddenly everybody in the account could see every record. Yeah, I vaguely recall. Um, I, I don't think there was any huge impact 
um, to any of the business that I was working on at the time. Okay. But yeah, I do remember that happening. Um, that though was less of a data issue and more of like a, a security uh, who can see what issue. I, I think it it, it was it caused, but it caused them you know within within certain accounts that could be a very big deal. I know within um, you know within. Druva, for example, by the way, uh, here's our disclaimer, uh, Prasanna and I do both work for Druva, but this is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are our own. Uh, and I know at Druva here, we have, um, you know, a, a lot of salespeople and who sees what is a very important part of the functionality, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. But it, it's important to understand that the user table, which is what was affected, again, the user object. Uh, is really just like any other object within Salesforce, right? Yes. Um, although, so there is another layer on top of that, which is this is now very techie Salesforce specific stuff, but there, mm -hmm. there's um, what they call a sharing model. So besides the actual user record in the database and, and let's say the account records that that mm -hmm. person has access to, um, so there's another series of object or tables related to those, which control who can see what, if, if, which records are shared with which people. And I think those are the tables that were impacted in that, in that incident. Yeah. Right. I'm curious, uh, you know, so you've been doing CRM for, uh, you know, 15 years, uh, surely you've seen some bad things that people do either accidentally or, hmm. uh, oh, yeah. you know, maliciously, uh, I'd love to hear some of those stories. To be honest, I have never witnessed or come across anyone doing something maliciously. So maybe I've been lucky in that regard, but that <laughs> is not something I have experience with. As far as accidents, yeah, that they happen. I've made mistakes myself where I've overwritten. Say it isn't data. so. It's possible <laughs> it happens to everybody. Um, <laughs> You know, inexperience, um, clicking the wrong button. Why don't you explain? Uh, so uh, when I administered Salesforce, I used the data loader tool a lot. Do you, yeah. Is that what you use or do you use yeah, something yeah. else? Uh, I use different tools depending. Um, okay. There's one that I quite like, which has a free like trial version kind of. It's a free version, but it only allows you to to manipulate like 10,000 records per month or something. And it's oh, dataloader.io. Okay. So I've, I use that for smaller ones because I just right. like the, the interface, but it's basically does the same thing as the data loader that Salesforce provides. Describe the purpose of data loader besides the obvious with the name. Yeah. So data loader allows an admin or, or more of a tech savvy person. I mean, it's not something that a business user would, probably use because it does require some technical knowledge about how the system works and, and all of that. Um, but it allows, it allows you to export data from any Salesforce. Well, not any, there are some objects that you cannot access with data loader, but um, it allows you to export data to CSV or Excel. Well, actually I think it's only to CSV. Um, and then you can also do, the same as you, you can do import, you can do what they call upsert, which would, would be, um, it will try to match existing records. If it finds the existing record, it would update it. If it doesn't find it, it would insert a new record. Um, so there's the concept of upsert. You can do deletion. Um, 
And so, I think that's so, so why that's would people key. use data loader? I guess I was thinking it would be more from the perspective of I might have sources of data elsewhere, like in an Excel file or something else, and I want to sort of bulk upload it into Salesforce. But you were mentioning that it's also used for like exporting from Salesforce and importing again. Yeah, so I mean, there are lots of use cases for for why you would want to export data, manipulate it outside of Salesforce, and then re-import it. So, for example, I don't know. Let's say, um, trying to think of a good example. Um, I I have one uh, because it, okay. we, we had yeah. we had a million actually we had like a couple of million uh, lead records, and one of the things that that continually frustrated our customers was in in consistent formatting of the phone number. And so yep. we downloaded all of the records and then I used my incredible Unix skills um, <laughs> to manipulate that one field where mm -hmm. basically I was, I was able to take out, take out everything, you know, take out all parentheses, take out all dashes, all spaces, all dots, all of the various things that people use to format a phone number and then, um, uh, and then format them using very specific text commands. And I was able to format all million records. In bulk, yeah. And then all I needed was the Salesforce, it's called the record ID, right? Or what, mm -hmm. what is that called? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the record, ID. ID, yeah, record ID, which is, which is this alphanumeric designation for each record. And then all I needed was that and the phone number. And then I could... Uh, what, what's the what, what's the term? Modify? Um, Absert or update. Yeah, update, update. That's a, yeah, and then basically yeah. I could then uh, change the the phone number in all of those accounts, and 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 I'll just say sure. this is a perfect time to screw up all your leads. Right? <laughs> if you, exactly. All it takes is sorting accidentally once on one of the columns instead of both of the columns, and if you do that and then manage to upload that back to your uh, leads table, in this case you just put all the wrong phone numbers on all of your leads. Yep. Another example I thought of while you were mentioning that one, um, let's say there was a requirement from the business to add a new field to the contact record. Um, if you just add the field, then it's empty. There's no data in that field for all records. Um, so let's say you want to have like a contact source. You know, where, where did you hear about this contact from? Um, so a lot of times if you create a new custom field and you want to populate the value of that field in bulk on all records, you would export all contacts, put that, put the value into the spreadsheet and then re-upload it back in order to have the value there in, in Salesforce. So that's another example. Um, one of the times that I was doing data load and I screwed it up pretty badly in production, by the way, um, <laughs> It wasn't a it wasn't a huge disaster, but basically, you also need to be aware of the time zone and the locale when you're using data loader. There are settings in in the setting um, file for for data loader um, with regards to UTC and and time zone conversion. So basically, I had exported all contacts or all accounts. I don't remember, and I was adding a date time field on to. The records and I, I don't remember now what what the field was for, but basically I I added like an eight hour um, time difference onto all of those records when I re-uploaded them. 
without even knowing it because I had the wrong setting in data loader. Oh no. <laughs> so I was using yeah. I was using Pacific time instead of European time or something. Uh -huh. By accident and you don't even I didn't even know about it for another two or three days until I started hearing complaints about it from from the users. Why is this date wrong and what happened? And then I remembered what I you know that I had updated that field. So I had to go back and shift everything back by eight hours to, to fix it. Right. And, and like in that case, you like you, some of these, some of these mistakes, if you follow sort of, um, I don't know, I would say best practices along the way, for example, if you're download, like what I did, if I downloaded all the phone numbers, you know, cause you can select, I, I just want the, the record ID and the phone number. If I downloaded all mm -hmm. of that and, and, and then modified it, but if I saved that downloaded result before I modified it, then, you know, messed up and uploaded it and then realized that I had messed up and I had that previously downloaded but not yet modified CSV, I could fix my error. But if you don't, yeah. right, um, there's really no facility within Salesforce to go backwards. So Tony, before you did the exports from Salesforce, made all the changes, did you take a backup by chance or what do you do to I did, but I should have. <laughs> <laughs> now I do. Every time I'm uploading data into Salesforce, before I hit that upload button, I always take a backup um, so, so I always do an export we, first, and then I will upload okay. the the changes that I'm trying to make, just so, in case. Yeah, if so that's gets your messed up. Then I, I, it's like a a manual backup restore kind of. Gotcha. Process. So you just keep a copy just in case something goes wrong. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so you're saying you export the object that you're about to modify just before yeah. you modify it. I actually do the export twice. I do it the first time to to work on the data and to make the changes that I want to make. Mm -hmm. But then before I upload it back, I do another export just as a backup. Well, that would make sense because they're, you know, depend, depending on what's going on at the client, a lot of things could happen in between those two, I would think. Yeah, exactly. So you, you're getting you're getting a fresh backup, right? Can you think of any other ones that were really difficult to fix afterwards or would be difficult to fix if you didn't have a backup? Yeah, I mean, the, I think the ones that, that I'm familiar with that have been problematic are, are not necessarily like issues that are impossible to fix, but it's, it's more about the volume of the data. So if I had done this, this uh, time zone thing on, I, I think I was working with maybe on the order of 10,000 records, which, you know, it's significant, but Salesforce can handle, data loader can handle 10,000 records in a few minutes at most. Um, but if you're working with like millions of records, I worked for uh, several clients that had like five or 6 million contacts mm -hmm. and it takes hours to load that data. If you're if you're doing a bulk load or or import or export, sometimes it takes even days, depending on you know the order of operations of which objects you're loading first and so on. So, you know, just imagine you spent eight hours 
loading something only to find out afterwards that you did it wrong and you have to do it again and you have to first restore. There's an eight hour window where let's say I, I export, you know, I do an export, I fix it and I re-upload it. There's an eight hour window there where it takes to get that data back in and get it fixed. So then there's a Delta, you know, so right. that's in my mind, more problematic than actually doing the fix. The other, the other problem though is, you know, if we're talking about data loss, so if records get physically deleted, that's a bigger issue if you don't have a backup. You know, I know that Salesforce has a recycle bin. They do. Yeah. That can handle a certain amount of re- of uh, deleted records. Yeah. But as I recall, there, there's some magic formula for determining how big your recycle bin is. And it's not a good yes. one. <laughs> it's 25 times your megabyte storage capacity as records. So let's say you have 2000 megabytes of storage allocated, which is two gigabytes then you can have basically 25 times that, which is 50,000 records in the recycle bin. There you go. So um, it's a wonderful formula. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is the recycle bin is only, that the, the records remain in the recycle bin only for 15 days. Mm, so you right. can restore stuff from the recycle bin for up to 15 days, but only up to that certain number of records. And once you purge the recycle bin, then then you can't get those back. Right. And and the recycle bin only holds deleted records. It doesn't hold modified records. Correct. That That's an interesting aspect that you added of time, right? If you're dealing with a large sales force, every step that you do um, can be hours. I, I didn't even think of it taking days, but I guess it, in a large environment, it, it very much uh, could take days to make large changes. And then at the end of that, finding out that, oops, the thing I did is the first step to this major update was messed up. So um, does it tell you immediately that it's incorrect or do you only find out at the end? For instance, if it had a dependency on another object and that object wasn't there yet. It, it depends which tool you're using. Um, data loader will not tell you until afterwards and it spits out a set of CSV files, which tell you which records passed the import and which records failed and what the error message was. But you don't get that report until after the process is finished. Gotcha. So if you um, had to redo it and change the ordering, then now you're waiting another eight hours or however long it takes you to re-upload everything. Potentially, yep. Remind me, you, you said it in the beginning, but how would you, in the, talking about the order in which you would load things, I've often, so like I said, I've administered Salesforce, but I've never tried to figure out this order. In what order are you supposed to order things? You know, it sounds like accounts first, then contacts. Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on how custom your Salesforce organization is. If you have custom objects, if you have added custom fields with with relationships to the other objects. So there's no golden formula there. Um, mm. If you're working strictly with standard Salesforce with no customizations, then there probably is, but no one does that, right? So what I'm trying to understand is like, so if you've got custom fields in your contacts and, yeah. your, and your Salesforce account is obliterated, you first got to restore that. So how is that backed up and restored? Yeah, sure. So you, you basically have to go object by object and say, let, let's say I'm working on 
a quote record, let's say, which usually in Salesforce refers to an opportunity, a contact, and an account, all three, right? Right. And it may have child line items of the quote, which is another relationship that you have to think about. Um, so you basically have to look object by object. And what I usually do is I export like a handful of records, like 10 or 15 or 20 records from, from that object. And wherever I see a column that has Salesforce IDs in it, those are objects that need to be loaded first before I can load that record that I'm looking at. I like it. That's smart. Yeah, that is. And then from there, you go to those objects and you do the same thing and you could have a chain. But from that, you get the picture of which, if you get to the get to an object that doesn't have any of those references, then you know you've made it to the end, and that that's the object you can start with. Yeah, it's interesting because you know Salesforce is really a giant database, right? Uh, from a customer perspective, yeah. but it doesn't doesn't behave like a database, right? So this no. this doesn't exist in any this problem that we're describing doesn't exist in any other database product that I'm familiar with. You you don't restore Oracle a table at a time, right? You you you, store, you, you do the whole database because you have access to the whole database and you probably have a right. DBA team who can do that, right? Um, but with Salesforce, you don't have DBAs because you don't have a database actually. Right, but you do, right. But you don't have access to it. You do, but you do, but you don't, right? Just like you said, you yeah. don't have access to the tables. What about the backup and recovery tool that's built into Salesforce? Let's talk about that for a few minutes. So uh, there are a couple, yeah. Um, all right, talk about those. There's there's one called the data export service, which basically you can go in through the setup menu in Salesforce and you can manually export copies of the data. Um, it takes a while. So you basically kick off a process and it will run and you get an email when the files are ready. Uh, it's basically similar to the product that they're retiring, the service they're retiring, which you basically get a zip file full of CSVs. Right. Um, I mean, the difference being it doesn't take six to eight weeks and it does cost $10,000 and you have to do it in correct. advance. <laughs> you, have to, you still have to do it in advance. It takes some right. time for the files to get generated and, and to be ready for download. Define some time. It's 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 minutes to hours, right? Depends how much data you have in the in the database and how many objects, right? right? So the, the size of the data will determine how long it takes to actually generate those files. Um. You can There's schedule no... that process to run, but I think okay. you can, depending on the edition of Salesforce that you have. So um, I believe they're, the, the most frequent that you can do that is once a week. So there is no daily option. Mm. It's either oh, once a week or once a month, depending on which edition. And that scheduling uh, that you can do, all it can schedule is the creation of the file to download. It can't schedule like, putting that file anywhere else, right? Exactly. That's right. Okay. That's a real shame because, I, I, for example, I use, I don't know if you if you administer a website or anything, but I use a, uh, a service and it uses cPanel. If you've ever used a I've web service, it uses used cPanel. a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So they have a feature built into, you know, they'll back up, it backs up your whole, you know, your whole website and your whole, you know, all this stuff. And, and, it, and it creates a bunch of uh, zip files, which are, which contain everything, including backup, backups of MySQL and all this stuff. And then mm -hmm. you can automate copying that those zip files over to um, like AWS or uh, 
you know, All Google right. storage, right? It, it would be nice if they had that feature, but they don't. So it, basically yeah. you can automate creating the backup, but you need to manually get that backup out of there. And by the way, it's, it, yeah. it's just, it's important for those that, that aren't, that backup savvy three two one yes thank you thank you prasana so three copies of your data two different media one of which is somewhere else right so it's it it's good that salesforce will allow you to create this backup but it's really important to understand that if something happened to your your entire account that backup could go with it so it is important to get it out of salesforce so that so that's that automated. So you said there were a couple different ones. What else is available within? So that's one. Um, another one is basically you can create a report or several reports in Salesforce, which then you can you can schedule to be delivered weekly. Um, and again, you get them in your email, and it can be exported to either Excel or CSV. Um, but there are also limitations to that. What is this report? Well, there are two types of reports first of all you can if, if you are dealing with just a plain text export into csv for example then you can export an unlimited number of rows and columns into that report uh, but most spreadsheet tools have a per row a per file row and column limit so um, depends on what tool you use then to open that and work work with the data but if it's a formatted report uh, which means you know uh, Basically, it almost as is, is an HTML formatted Excel sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can only export up to 100,000 rows and 100 columns. Um, if you're using a formatted report and you export date time fields, the field in the exported report only shows the date, not the time. So why? That's no idea, but that's that's what it is. Um, and if the, if the report take has so much data that it takes more than 10 minutes to export, then it times out and fails and you don't get the export. So command if the report (laughs) takes 10 minutes, uh, filter the report to return half the data of the original and then try it again. And you can only, as, as an individual user, you can only export up to five reports at one time. It's not meant to be fully fledged backup solution. Right. Okay. The other one that we talked about already, which is the data loader, that one can be scripted using command line scripts. So there is a way to script the data loader exporting and and importing, but then, you know, it requires developer level skills to do that. So nothing easy and out of the box. Say, I didn't realize you could script uh, data loader. Yeah, there is a command line interface for for data loader, but uh, I actually think it's uh, from what I read, it's only supported on Windows. So that's another kind of gotcha that you have to be aware of. You can gotcha. script data loader, but you can only do that on Windows. That is the ultimate like oxymoronic thing I've ever heard. A command line tool that only runs on Windows. <laughs> yeah, I can see if they said it's a command line tool that only runs on Linux. Or, you know, Mac, but a command line tool that only runs on Windows uh, boggles my mind. Yep. You know, Windows is not known for its uh, powerful command line. Uh, what about the sandbox? Do people use that as a backup? People do use it, but it's not meant to be used as a backup solution. Basically, um, so there are two kinds of sandboxes which contain data. Um, there are a couple other types that you can create which are 
they don't contain any data. It's just metadata, uh, the configuration. Mm -hmm. um, so we have the, the data types uh, of sandboxes are partial copy and full copy. So the partial copy basically takes a subset, almost a random sampling of production data and populates it into the sandbox. And, and those are mainly used for you know, integration testing or UAT type testing. Um, so it's a subset of the data. It's not a full copy of production. The other limitation with the partial copy sandboxes is that they can only be refreshed once every five days. Um, the other type is a full copy, which can contains the full production data, um, but you can as only... I, as I recall, you, you're allowed one sandbox copy as part of your account, like included in your account. Right. Depends on the edition again. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Some of the lower editions, they don't even give you a full copy sandbox. You have to pay extra. Okay. Um, but that being said, when you, if you do have a full copy, you can only refresh it once a month. I think once every thirty days. So okay, there's no possibility to do any daily backups or anything like that. It's it's meant as a sandbox. It's meant as a, <laughs> you know, it's a, you know, it's it's something you can test against. Exactly. The full the full copy is usually used for full end to end regression testing scenarios or user training or integration testing again that kind of thing. It's not meant to be a backup. A lot of clients though, you know, they will time their full copy refreshes. So if you know that you're doing a huge deployment to production. A lot of companies will take a full copy backup before they deploy to production, just in case. But it's not a it's not a fully fledged like backup disaster recovery scenario Can you thing. Restore from the sandbox to production? No. So okay, oh, it gives you a report. copy, but again, you would have to dump all the data out using Data Loader or one of these other tools, yeah, and then push it back into production. So yeah, there you go. Ouch. <laughs> There's one other one that we haven't talked about, which I think a lot of companies actually are doing this, um, which is setting up ETL scripts to export Salesforce data to an external data warehouse. Um, okay. I like that option because you get the historical snapshots as well. You don't just get the transactional, but you actually get the, you know, you get the snapshots on a, on a daily basis as it so is a warehouse. I was so, not aware of this, so can you? Uh, but this is not something that is out of the box. Let's say, I mean, it, companies who have a data warehouse, um, a lot of them pull Salesforce data into the warehouse, and maybe they have other systems that they're also pulling in. Um, so one one client that I've worked on, um, they have a warehouse that they're pulling Salesforce data. They're pulling. They have some homegrown systems that they're pulling data. They're pulling from their ERP system. And all of it's in the warehouse. So, um, but that requires again, you have to have infrastructure for the data warehouse. You have to have developer level scripting and API knowledge to get the data in there, um, and to design the warehouse, to build the tables, and all of that stuff. So it's 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 not an easy solution, but it is kind of a robust solution, I think. Um, that being said, it's again, it's I don't think it's necessarily a backup and restore solution. It's more right. of having a copy somewhere that you can use if you need it. 
Yeah, it, in the data center backup space, it's kind of like the equivalent of a box of tapes at Iron Mountain. Like you hope to exactly. God you never have to use that from an actual for an actual recovery, but it's nice to know that you have it. Yeah. So what's interesting though is to go back to the early part of the call when that outage happened, where they messed up that object that this you know determined who sees what. The primary thing that they suggested you use they were like we hope you have a sandbox copy yeah but you want one that's that's old uh you know you want one that's at least you know at least a day or two old because we did this yesterday and sorry um but but we don't but obviously you don't want it too old because then the object in question uh will be out of date right um but what what i found interesting about that announcement and by interesting i mean the thing that ticked me off the most was that they didn't suggest by the way if you have a backup of this object <laughs> like a regular backup they didn't suggest yeah. if you have a regular back i was like why didn't you bring you know they the sandbox was their primary solution i i didn't i didn't yeah. understand that that email but well and there was an even bigger incident i i guess you guys probably have heard about this one too it was i think back in 2016 where some scripts run on the database level uh, by Salesforce, or there was some kind of outage, which actually resulted in about a day's worth of data physically being lost for wow. a subset of customers. There was one instance of Salesforce servers where there was this outage and they were unable to restore the data. So like five or six hours of of customer production data was just gone. Oh my gosh. And 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 they were not able to put it back, right? And they were not able to put it back. That's a really important thing. I'm I'm really glad you mentioned it. I'm going to have to go find that incident. You said it was in 2016. I believe it was. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm going to have to go find that incident because I was unaware of that. Um, the the it's really important to understand that because while it, it is possible that Salesforce as a company is doing some sort of disaster recovery backup mm-hmm. for their entire data center in case they catch fire or get sucked into a sinkhole or something. Yeah. It is not that backup if they have it. And I'm saying if, because we don't even know if that exists, it's not designed to fix problems like this. And nothing proves it more than the fact that Salesforce as a company accidentally deleted their own customers data and then still didn't put it back to me that that yeah. proves that that's the case right well I'm, I'm i found an article i'm reading this right now it says the failure was caused by a file integrity issue and was resolved by restoring the database from an earlier backup so salesforce basically had had an integrity issue with their own database and they the fix was take an older backup and restore it. That backup was wow. more than five hours old by the time it went into production. So that's why there was that five hour data loss. Wow. <laughs> All right. I, I definitely have to go research that, that story. So, you know, I, it, it sounds like you, you would be a fan of regularly backing up Salesforce, I would think. Of course. The problem in Salesforce is same as the problem in in Microsoft 365 and G Suite. There, there is this, I don't, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. There's an understanding that that, that it's not necessary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and everything we've said over the last however long we've been talking shows that it absolutely is necessary. And yet 
still many people don't do it. Based on this discussion, it seems like people on the Salesforce side aren't necessarily thinking about backups as we traditionally think about backups, right? It's more about, I need to export my data just in case I'm about to do this action rather than sort of a methodical, periodic backup implementation. Yeah, I I think Salesforce's uh, stance on this is that data and data governance is is not their domain. I mean, they provide the, the infrastructure, they provide the software, they do not deal with the data. You own it, it's your responsibility. You need to make sure that you have a, a process in place to back it up and restore it yourself. The problem with that stance is, and maybe they're better than other companies, they don't tell you that very well in a way that makes you really think that you need to do it. Yeah. If I, I, I would say, I would say that sadly they're better at telling you than the other big SaaS companies that we deal right. with, right? Microsoft and yep. Google say almost nothing, at least the fact that we're discussing this is because they decided to do this, you know, and delete the service uh, because it was a horrible service. <laughs> That's basically what they said. They're like, we decided this thing is horrible and nobody, nobody should ever buy it. So we're going to, we're going to do away with it. Uh, at least they're more upfront about it, I think, than some of the other vendors. So I, uh, sure. but I am absolutely amazed at some of these outages that have happened. And, and while I agree with you, it is the data is your responsibility and the, and it's not theirs, but at the same time, if they're the ones who damaged the data, it would seem like there'd be a liability issue there, despite whatever they put in any sort of contracts. But and there, uh, there probably is, you know, I, I don't know if there were legal action as a result of that. Well, you know, yeah. it's America, so you know that's what, <laughs> that's our that's our solution to everything is to sue somebody. <laughs> anyway, well, listen, uh, Tony, thank you so much for coming. We've been trying to get a Salesforce person on here for a while. This is this discussion has been fascinating, and I want to thank you for your time. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Tony. I definitely learned a lot about Salesforce than I knew before we started this call. So thank you for that as well. No problem. It was a great, great discussion. Thanks, guys. And all you need to do now is go to Carlo Bivari. Yes. <laughs> Thanks to the listeners for uh, hanging with us this long. It's been kind of a long podcast, but uh, make sure that you subscribe so that you can restore it all. System isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead, it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit.
done Hoping that just for once it'll be completely done Maybe 